Sometimes as creatives, our worries, our dreads, our own judgmentalness towards our own work is what holds us back the most. So in this episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast, we're going to talk about three things you should probably stop worrying about as a songwriter. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honored that you take some time out of your busy week, out of your busy day to talk songwriting with me. I'm glad that songwriting is something that's important enough to you that you want to listen to a songwriting podcast. And of course, I'm also honored that you chose this one rather than whatever other options you have out there. Means a lot to me. Glad you're here. And in this episode, we're talking about things we probably should stop worrying about as songwriters because sometimes our worries are what get in the way. Sometimes we're too busy being worried about all sorts of things, about people judging us, about if our songs are complex enough or simple enough. We're just worried about so many different things that we get in our own way. That's what we're talking about in this episode If you're new to songwriting or you just need a little bit of a jumpstart with your songwriting, be sure to check out my free guide, 10 Ways to Start Writing a Song, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. The link will be in the description as always, but it breaks down 10 different ways to start writing a song. I'm a big fan of not writing songs the same way every time because that's usually how we get creatively stuck or at least one of the main ways we get creatively stuck. If you constantly just sit down with your guitar, start with a chord progression, that eventually gets a little old. You start to use the same chord progressions. You start to feel uninspired. But just changing things up a little bit, like reverse engineering a song based on a cool song title you come up with, which would be starting on the lyrical side of things, or starting with, say, a bass line or a different instrument, or even just a sound that you haven't used before. It could even be something like taking your dog's bark and pitching it down and moving it backwards, and all of a sudden you have this interesting sound that you want to build a song off of. That may sound silly, but when it comes to sound design, a lot of times, whether it's somebody like Hans Zimmer designing instruments that don't really exist, or whether it's sound design for things like Star Wars, which the TIE Fighters were uh, basically an elephant bellow or whatever you call the sound an elephant makes. Uh, I believe it was pitched down and backwards or something like that. And, you know, you have the iconic sound of a TIE Fighter. I think it had a little bit more to it as well, some processing for sure. But anyway, can be a great way to actually start a song is coming up with your own sound that you then build the song off of. So if you want 10 different ideas, like some of the ones I just mentioned, be sure to check out the free guide, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. All right. First thing that you should probably stop worrying about as a songwriter. Musical complexity. So people often say, simple is good. And I'm not sure I agree with that, but complex isn't inherently good either. And I think sometimes... For a lot of musicians, their relationship to musical complexity is somewhat similar to, at at least it feels like in the last 10 years or so, or maybe it was just a five-year stretch, where movies seem to get this idea that dark was inherently good. And I feel like musicians feel the same way sometimes about musical complexity, right? Something is complex musically, the music theory of it's very interesting, so they're like, oh, so it must be good. 
And it was sort of the same thing. I, th- I think after the Dark Knight trilogy from Christopher Nolan, it, it felt like DC specifically thought, oh, well, we should just make everything dark, including Superman, which inherently is a pretty not dark character usually. And they just said, oh, well, people like the Dark Knight because it was dark, because everything that's dark is just inherently good. And they found out, uh, hopefully, that's not true, right? Being dark isn't inherently good. The Dark Knight trilogy wasn't great because it was dark. And it, sure, it's true that a, a lot of great movies are dark, but they're they're not great because of the darkness. It's correlation versus causation issue. And I think sometimes with musicians, we can feel that way with musical complexity. So if you write something that feels right for your song, don't artificially move off of it because you deem it to be, quote, too simple. Because for some songs, two chords might not only work, but actually be the best way to go. Because sometimes there are different ways to add intrigue to a song besides, say, the complexity of the underlying chords. Chord progressions, I think, are one of those weird things that are both heavily overrated and heavily underrated because there are plenty of great songs that have pedestrian chord progressions, and then there are plenty of songs that have super creative chord progressions that nobody would want to listen to because the chord progressions are almost too creative for their own good, and you can tell that they were just trying to write something complex rather than something good. And you may say, well, good seems kind of hard to determine, right? What, what, what is good? And that, that, that's probably a, a discussion for another time because it's a very deep subject. Uh, I, I'm not a believer in, oh, oh good is just purely relative. Uh, I th- and I think we all know that's not true. Even, even if you are a person who says that, I think you know that to not be true. Uh, just to take an easy example, you know, if you've ever had a, a small child and you've seen the art that they make, the drawing of mommy and daddy or whatever, uh, it is, you can look at it, right? And be like, okay, that is clearly objectively worse than a Da Vinci painting, right? Now, you may not know exactly how to measure that to be true, but you know it's true. In the same way that when you read the lyrics or hear the lyrics from a song like WAP, you know that comparing that to most any other song, frankly, but but any song that was on the radio, I mean, even like Britney Spears' radio days, was way better than WAP, which is saying something, because it's not like Britney Spears' songs are great lyrically or anything. But certainly if you go back farther in time, uh, you'll find even more songs that are just overwhelmingly better than the lyrics of WAP. So we all know that to be true. It's just very difficult to measure. But anyway, all to say, I'm not a believer that, oh, good is just this relative concept and it's whatever people like. I don't think that's true. Um, but there is something to be said for sometimes there's beauty in simplicity, but also there can be beauty to complexity. And it really depends ultimately more on what your song needs. So, for example, a great way to have a song that really builds over time can actually be one that is fairly simple in its chord progression. And you're getting the complexity and the intrigue not from interesting chords, but from layering in new instruments and parts and taking parts away and adding them. So, really, from 
sort of building up the song sonically, that's where you're creating intrigue rather than creating intrigue with the chords themselves. Now, you also could take the opposite approach, right? Where it's a song that's just you at the piano or the guitar, and you are just constantly going from chord progression to chord progression. That's really quite different. A lot of borrowed chords. And that could be another way to make a song interesting. But it really depends on what the song is. Just as another example, if you've ever wanted to have a song that has has parts that, that build on top of each other, and what I mean by that is, Uh, a song where you can sing the chorus at the same time that you're singing the verse, at the same time that you're singing some alternate third part. And there's basically three different vocal parts that are all going at the same time that came from early in the song. The easiest way to do that and most common way to do that is to have a one chord progression that you built all three of those melodies on top of. And then usually if you sing all three of those melodies at the same time over that same chord progression, it will very often work. And and again, there's a different way to create complexity or at least perhaps not complexity, but intrigue. And overall, if you're continuing to expand your music theory and composition, music composition toolbox, it's likely best for you to not explicitly worry about complexity. Because variety in the complexity can be good, first of all. It it, it might be a great thing if, let's say, you have a five-song EP you're working on, and one song is really simple, maybe even a two-chord song that just builds and builds over time, and you're layering in new instruments and different vocal parts until you have this really massive part at the end, but it's really all built on something as simple as two chords. That may be perfect for that song, but then not having every song do that, that would probably get boring. So instead, maybe have another song that does use interesting chord progressions. And then a third song that creates its intrigue from a really complex or intriguing melody. And then a fourth one that just simply has a really catchy bass line that's foundational to your song. There's so many ways to create great songs that are intriguing and interesting and and fit well with the lyrics and what you're trying to communicate that overall just worrying about this sort of arbitrary concept of complexity is usually not worth it and ultimately something that that often can be even destructive. So if you are continuing to expand your music theory and composition knowledge, it's probably going to be the case that you're going to, by default, start writing songs with a differing degree of musical complexity. The reality is if you're learning more music theory, you're probably going to start to put more of it to work for you. So just as an easy example, fairly recently we talked about modes. So once you learn modes, it's likely that you would utilize a little bit of that concept in your songwriting, which is now going to make your music a little more musically complex. If you learned about modes and borrowed chords because you've been listening to the podcast the last several months, you probably decided, oh, okay, that's interesting. I guess I'll add a major two chord to my song to give a little bit of a Lydian sound to really get that feeling of something rising uh, in a really major, exciting way. And because you learned that and then you thought, oh, okay, I see how that could be useful and you tried it out and then maybe even utilized it in a song, you're inherently just from learning more music theory going to 
create songs that do sometimes have greater musical complexity or musical intrigue. So don't explicitly worry about it so much as continue focusing on learning music theory and, you know, practicing putting it into action. And you're probably going to just naturally start writing music that's more, let's use the word sophisticated, because I think sophisticated is a good word for something doesn't need to be complex necessarily, I don't think, to be sophisticated. Sophisticated is just something that a more seasoned songwriter is more likely to write a more sophisticated song, uh, which I think you could be simple and sophisticated at the same time, uh, which again is probably a whole other discussion. But overall, if you're learning music theory and composition, probably just doing that is enough to have songs that are getting more and more interesting over time without explicitly worrying about musical complexity. And another thing to remember, which admittedly I don't talk about much, uh, because frankly, a lot of people who say this, I think, uh, take it too far. But do remember that music theory is first and foremost an analytical tool to analyze what a song is doing, not a measurement of the greatness of a song. And I think sometimes we as music nerds can lose sight of that that music theory is an analytical tool. And as an analytical tool, I think it's also very helpful as a writing tool because music theory helps you to analyze how other people get certain results and give you that, you know, certain feelings, whether it be, you know, the Lydian mode sounding extra bright or whether it be the Phrygian mode that is even more dark and slightly more exotic sounding than your regular natural minor or even harmonic minor. So it's helpful, but ultimately the intriguingness of the music theory of your song does not make it great. And it's easy to lose track of that. But it's first and foremost an analytical tool. And it's also important to remember that all art has a science to it that has value, but it's ultimately creative. So let's use like a, a color theory example of this. So it has been shown scientifically that generally speaking, blue makes people feel calm. And then yellow usually makes people feel excitement. And red is often associated with love and passion. And while those things may be true, and there's science to that, ultimately there's more to choosing colors in a painting than just the scientific decisions that you could make based off of color theory. So music is the same way, right? There's a science to it, music theory, that has value. If you understand that making your that you can make your minor key song sound even darker by using Phrygian instead of just natural minor, or if you understand that you can really add a bit of a rise in a song by adding a major two chord, which gives a Lydian sound, if you understand things like that, that that's there's a that's a science ultimately that can inform your art and make you better at art but ultimately it is a creative venture and it seems to me that a lot of people either obsess with complexity to the point of losing the plot that having a song that is meaningful and moves people is more important than appeasing the music theory gods or uh we can sometimes lean towards excusing not learning the very useful tool that is music theory with some oversimplified and laziness-driven simple-is-good mantra. And overall, uh, 
before I've called this, I think it was my third podcast ever, actually, the Christopher Nolan Principle of Creativity. Uh, another term that I've been calling it more recently is the bell curve principle of creativity. And the idea is that, to me at least, it seems the best art is somewhere in between like the art and the science or somewhere in between the popular and the artsy. And to me, Christopher Nolan is the epitome of this because Christopher Nolan is the type that generally makes movies that people who want artsy movies and movies that are just technically really well done love Nolan, but also people who just want to go to the theater and be really entertained for two hours at a blockbuster movie also love Nolan, right? He seems to blend sort of artsiness and, and popularity in a beautiful way. Whereas, say, something like Marvel MCU movies tend to be not artsy at all and have not much artistic value. Um, some of the older ones had some. The new ones have, I want to say exactly zero, but I, I don't want to go too far with it. But overall, you know, maybe a better example is Transformers, right? There's almost no artistic value to those movies, but people still went to see them because they're entertaining and had pretty explosions and all that. But Nolan finds a way to to get both. And overall, to me, it seems that, you know, you can be so artsy that you forget to be good, which is a lot of like art house films where they're, they're trying too hard to be brilliant, that they actually totally lose the plot and, and nobody likes them and they're boring and, and nobody gets anything from them because they're trying too hard to be clever. And then on the other side, you have popcorn flicks that have no value below the surface. But what's best is somewhere in the middle. And I think that's true for songwriting and music and any art in general. Um, we shouldn't aim to just be popular, but at the same time, we shouldn't lose the plot that, you know, yes, having musical complexity or, or having musical sophistication can be good, but not at the cost of losing the plot that ultimately a song needs to be meaningful and move people. And if it doesn't do a good job at that, nothing else really matters. And ultimately, that is the thing that matters, not the, you know, how complex the music theory is. So one thing you should probably stop worrying about as a songwriter, musical complexity. Number two, doing what other artists do. Stop worrying about what other artists do. This doesn't mean that you can't study artists you, that you like in order to figure out what it is about their music that speaks to you. And it doesn't mean that there's no value in analyzing what music pop radio is crapping out these days. But overall, study artists you're interested in, don't copy. So don't worry about, you know, let's say you like Taylor Swift. I don't know how, but, you know, I'll allow you your faults. It's, it's all good. Uh, I'm kidding, mostly. Um, but let's say you love Taylor Swift. So study what she does. Figure, figure out what is it about her music that speaks to you. But don't just copy it, right? For, for several reasons. One, we shouldn't be trying to manufacture a song with artificial rules intended to chase something like a hit song rather than writing and building a meaningful song. And... Probably my biggest pet peeve with um, a lot of content online about songwriting is so much of it. And I get that they're just playing the SEO game, right? They know that lots of people are Googling how to write a hit song. 
So therefore, a lot of creators oblige. And, you know, I, I think I've never done anything with that title, and I hope that that's true. Um, I, I know I have done a video about why you shouldn't try to write a hit song, um, uh, which is not to say you shouldn't, you shouldn't artificially try to not be popular. That's not what the point of the video is. But overall, um, it's a pet peeve of mine for, for many reasons. One, one is ultimately the idea that writing a hit song is the science. And if you and or I in our basement wrote a song with just the right formula, it would become a hit is just complete crap. Like it's just not true at all. And we all, I think, know it's not true. But we still like to delude ourselves that if we just like follow this formula, boom, hit song. But, you know, there's lots of things that fly in the face of that, right? Like there's songs that are just obviously garbage, like WAP, that are still successful. And that's where it becomes obvious. Oh, mostly what determines whether something is a hit song or not is that there's a record company that basically determines what songs are hits because that's what they pitch to the radio stations, right? So... Hit songs are basically artificially determined by large record companies, right? At this point, Taylor Swift or Ariana Grande or Justin Bieber could crank out any song and it probably would be a hit just by nature that they are huge artists that have a big record company behind them that will have it playing on all the radio stations so that people eventually accept it as a hit. Like that's slightly overstated, but barely, um, which it, which is one of the reasons why you shouldn't try to hit uh, write a hit song. Uh, also, the idea that a hit song is a good song is ridiculous. Again, see WAP, or frankly, a lot of the top 40. Just, you know, listen to the top 10 at any given time, and like nine of the 10 of them will probably be utter garbage. Um, and overall, as songwriters who care about the craft of songwriting, we should care about writing and building a meaningful song, not manufacturing a hit song. So... Is it true that charting songs, the, the most popular songs right now, keep getting shorter and shorter? Yeah, absolutely. The standard now is more like two and a half to three minutes instead of the three and a half to four minutes that it was, say, like in the early 2000s or even probably the early 2010s, frankly. And is it true that charting songs tend to have a ton of song sections in the form of pre-choruses and post-choruses to maximize the change you get throughout the song so that there's basically switching song sections every 10, 15 seconds? Yeah, that that's true too. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Again, charting songs, largely artificially determined. And overall, we shouldn't be aiming for manufacturing a song that we think current pop music indicates is great. So the the idea that we should just chase whatever, you know, the top five songs right now did is just not the case. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't be bothered with that. One reason is what I already mentioned, right? Hit songs are largely artificially created by large Record companies, the idea that if you and your basement just write a good enough song or hit worthy enough song that oh, billions of people will just come and find it. It's the whole, you know, if they build it, if we build it, they will come, which is completely untrue. Uh, it's never been true in business and it, like literally just totally untrue. And a lot of people believe it, but it's just, 
It's so untrue that like you can't find an example where it ever was true, like ever, uh, seemingly anyway. So, and, and uh, just a short rant here connected to this. I haven't seen the movie, but I absolutely detest and I refuse to watch it because I think it it propagates this myth even more. But that movie where like the Beatles, everybody forgot about the Beatles except this one guy. So then he like takes the songs as his own and basically he becomes a mega huge star just because like, oh, the Beatles songs that only he knows that he basically steals from them uh, are just so good that he inherently would just rise to the top just because the Beatles, like the idea that the Beatles are purely a product of they were amazing songwriters is just insane. It's completely ridiculous. Complete. If you know anything about the Beatles history at all, they had like, yes, they did. They, they, they earned their luck in the sense that they did a lot of practicing and they were very good live and stuff because they did so many shows before they got their opportunity. I'm not here to tell you, oh, the Beatles are just lucky. That's not what I'm saying. But the idea that any random person could just, if they just wrote a Beatles song, would become, or, or multiple of their songs, would the world would just find them and make them a huge star is patently insane. It's insane. It's not true at all. There's no evidence to indicate it is the case. I it, it, it's, it's shocking to me that people believe this, but please, please, if you've ever been fooled by this, if you've ever have found yourself Googling how to write a hit song, please do yourself a favor and don't, don't. Just stop doing that. Worry about writing good songs, songs that make, that you feel are great that you would want to listen to because ultimately chasing this idea that if you just follow the certain formula, you'll write a hit is, is just a road to a artistic decrepitness, um, which a lot of pop radio is and, and B you'll just be really devastated, extra devastated and disappointed because you will have written a song a, that you don't feel proud of because you know, you just manufactured it to be a hit and B, you'll realize that it still wasn't a hit. And now you feel like you did something wrong, which you did, but but what you did wrong was that you tried to manufacture a hit, not that you didn't manufacture a hit well enough. Um, so so it's, it's just a dark path to go down. So I highly encourage you, please don't do that to yourself. Please don't do that to yourself. Hopefully I made my point. So don't worry about doing what other artists do. Third thing that we probably should stop worrying about as songwriters. And it's kind of the opposite. Being different. When you first start, you'll likely sound like a cheap knockoff of some of your favorite artists. And honestly, that's probably if you're lucky. A lot of people when they start off don't even sound like cheap knockoffs of their favorite artists. They're just straight up bad. Which, if that's you, don't worry about it. Because everybody starts bad. I think this is a thing that our, our current culture really ruins for people, which is, I think people, there's, there's a lot here and I don't want to go too deep into it, but overnight success is like, does basically doesn't exist. And all of the examples that people think of when they think of overnight success almost never actually were. The person did tons and tons of work and time before they got their moment and their opportunity. 
kind of like the Beatles. They did put in a ton of work and time into playing live, a ton, before they ever got their shot. And so, so just embrace the fact that everybody sucks when they first start, or almost everybody sucks when they first start. And ultimately, it doesn't matter how much you suck when you start. It matters where you end up, right? So it may even be the case that you and a friend both picked up songwriting about the same time. And maybe they seem like they're more of a natural and right now they're writing way better songs than you are. It's easy to get discouraged. But ultimately, people grow at different rates, right? Who's to say that three years from now, they won't have gotten stagnant and you won't have, at some point it clicked with you and now you're writing way better songs than them. There is no linear growth. You can have exponential growth. You can have slower growth. Some of that is determined by how much you learn, how much you work at it. And sometimes just people just at different times have things click. So overall, just don't worry about that. And as long as you keep songwriting and keep listening to different artists and genres and don't just obsess about one artist forever, you likely eventually will find your own sound and artistic voice and it will get better and better over time. So don't worry about being different because that will naturally emerge over time, likely, just by listening to different music, allowing different influences into your, your, your writing and your songs, and eventually you will find your own sound. Don't expect yourself from first song, second song, or even fifth song to have a sound, right? You probably will sound very similar to other artists you like or the main genre you listen to, and you won't feel like you separate yourself from anybody else. That would be very normal. So don't worry about it. Just keep working at it, and eventually you will find your own voice. Once you do find your artistic voice, it also will continue to evolve. Things will, and, and it might be slight, right? But it does tend to continue to change over time. The songs that I was writing at, uh, you know, 18 sound somewhat different from the ones that I'm writing now, which sounds somewhat different from a lot of the other unreleased music that I have to finish. Um, to the point that even I've talked about, you know, there's two or three EPs I'm working on at once right now. And even they have different sounds just based on the sounds I'm selecting per EP and the themes of the EP to the point that I think it all sounds like me, but it, it, it sounds like a different twist on me. Um, and, and that's going to happen naturally. So don't worry about being different or trying to be different. Worry about just finding your sound and being true to you. And look, you're, you're always going to get that one person and you may have already gotten this and maybe like me, you've been discouraged when somebody says this to you, but you'll always get that one person who says something like, that sounds familiar when you play your song, right? Which usually means uh, that sounds good, so I assume it's familiar. Because pretty much every time I've heard that, the person can never tell me what song it reminds them of so I'm pretty convinced that usually people just say that it sounds familiar when they're surprised that some random person they know wrote music that actually sounds good because they're so used to just assuming that, oh, you know, it's, it's the whole, you know, people you know effect. The beauty of the people closest to you is even if you became the biggest songwriter on the planet, they still will think, oh, well, that's just Sophie or whatever your name is. Um, and, 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 and they'll never be impressed by you in the way that strangers will, which is good because it keeps you humble. It's not a bad thing, but 
ultimately the dark side of that, right, is is a lot of times the people close to you will say things like, oh, that sounds familiar and kind of write it off. Like they assume that, oh, you did something good. So it must be that it just sounds like something that they already know. Or someone sometimes will say it sounds like one of the artists you like simply because they know you love that artist. And your song does have maybe some shades of them. But then they make it sound like, oh, it just sounds like a song from your favorite artist. And, and they kind of mean it as a compliment. But you're thinking, oh, does that mean I'm not different enough? But really, they already knew you liked that artist. So it's kind of one of those, they're just saying that because, because they already had that in their heads. Right. They might not say, oh, that sounds like Five for Fighting, except that they already knew you loved Five for Fighting. I'm using myself in that example, really, as a Five for Fighting fan. But don't worry about trying to be different. Worry about trying to be you, trying to find your own artistic voice, because trying to be different is how you end up with music that no one would want to listen to. Yes, songwriting is creative, but there are rules and tendencies for a reason. Could you write music that has no key and just meanders forever and just goes from chord to chord with no tonic, no sense of a key? Sure. Is it a good idea to do that because it's different? Probably not. And this is where like, I think a lot of indie music gets in trouble. Maybe not a lot of indie music, but some. We all know those people that were you know hipsters and they seem to be convinced that different equals good to the point that they'll listen to something where it's like, man, I don't know how anybody listens to that. And they're convinced it's good just because it doesn't sound like anything else. But they never even consider that it never, it doesn't sound like anything else. Not because those people are so much more creative than everybody else, but because they have no taste <laughs> or, or just because they're so busy trying to be different, they forgot to be good. Um, so don't conflate different with good just like you shouldn't conflate dark with good, like with movies, what movies seem to do for a good five years there. Pursue good and genuine to yourself, and you'll find different along the way. So don't explicitly try to be different. So again, three things you should probably start stop worrying about as a songwriter. One, musical complexity. Two, doing what other artists do, copying whatever pop, radio is doing or whatever your favorite artists are doing right now. And three, going out of your way to try to be different. If you want to get started with a song or if you have been sort of held back recently with your creativity, you feel like you're starting to write all the same stuff, be sure to check out the free guide, 10 ways to start writing a song, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Gives you five ways from a lyrical perspective to start a song and five ways from a musical perspective. So whether you like starting with music or starting with lyrics, there are five ways for you. And I highly encourage you if you've only tried starting a song from a musical point of view and you never considered starting with lyrics first, try that because it might actually work better for you or it might just get some different results or it could just be a great way to break outside of your creative box and then same the other way around. If you always have just put poetry to music, you wrote a poem first, you wrote lyrics first, then be sure to change it around and instead start with music first and then see what happens. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you to all of you who have been kind enough to leave reviews on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. It means a lot to me. If you have gotten a lot from this podcast, 
best thing you can do to help me out is to leave a kind review, preferably five stars, if you feel that I've earned it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, thank you to all of you who send kind emails. A bit of an apology that uh, I do get more and more emails over time. And I'm trying to, you know, first and foremost, I need to make sure that I'm providing all of you this content in the form of podcasts and videos. So I often do get behind on on emails. So just just as a warning, I am several weeks behind on emails. I will get back to to those of you who have emailed me in the last several weeks. Um, uh, for now, I still I think can respond to every email, um, but that probably is going to stop soon. Uh, I don't know how, how how much longer I can keep up with it, but I still want to try to do that. Means a lot to me for those of you that reach out to me. Means a lot. It really does, especially those of you who reach out uh, with encouraging words uh, about you know how much a certain episode helped you or a certain video helped you. Means a lot, and also helps uh, <laughs> balance out some of the you know hater YouTube comments you get sometimes. To the point that honestly, I sometimes go months without looking at YouTube comments just because there's always that one negative person that that sometimes you let get to you more than you should which is my fault. But regardless, all to say, to all of you, I really do appreciate you. Want to make sure you know that. I know I say it all the time. I never want it to sound like I'm just saying it because that's what you're supposed to say at the end of a podcast or whatever. I do genuinely appreciate it. I still remember some emails from a long time ago uh, that specifically encouraged me, whether it be the the one girl, I I think she was 10 or 11, I forget the exact age, sent me a song that she wrote. I think technically she used her parents' email to email me or whatever uh, and sent me the song. I may or may not have actually teared up, uh, meant a ton to me. Uh, and then on the other side, there is somebody that emailed me specifically about the episode or video where I talked about, hey, it's never too late. You know, you, it's not too late to create some legacy with by writing some songs. It, you know, if you're 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s even, it's not too late to learn to write some songs, write some songs and then have something that, uh, you know, maybe your kids and grandkids can have to to remember you by and all that. And somebody responded in an email then. So anyway, I don't know if those people still listen to the podcast or what, uh, but it does mean a lot to me when I get those emails. So thank you. And thank you to those of you who just silently listen to this podcast or the YouTube videos. But I don't want to hold you any longer. So <laughs> that's that's it for today. Just want to know wanted you to know that I do appreciate all of you. So I want to give a little bit of an extra long shout out this time, just so that you know that you are appreciated. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Go out, do some songwriting. Don't worry about being different. Don't worry about doing what other artists do. And don't worry about musical complexity, but continue to learn music theory so that probably your music will become more refined over time and and better, in quotes, over time. Uh, but you shouldn't have to explicitly try for it. Simply by learning more about music theory and composition, your music will become more interesting over time by nature. Thanks for listening. Talk to you in the next one. <laughs>